Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back, hour number two. We are an hour away from the Tennessee Power Hour across the network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. Follow along on Facebook. Search out the YouTube channel. We hope you'll subscribe there as well for live streams plus videos after the fact. And you can hit the alert button to know that we go live each and every day, 2 o'clock Central, 3 Eastern, across the network. There's a, a buzz and an energy to 6th and Peabody today, our broadcast studios with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, Thursdays and Fridays. The crowd really picks up as people get in to, to visit, and I'm feeling the energy here with all the previews on the TVs and everything that we're doing today and tomorrow to get ready for week five across the National Football League. A lot of people here with suitcases, I always notice. And I, I want, obviously today I would think it's people incoming that just have to start drinking before they drop their bags off or they're waiting for check-in. Obviously, uh, on, a, on a Sunday, it would be the other way. But I'm wondering if you think it happens more incoming or more outgoing. Because I see I, people I with suitcases more, here all the time. I'll say that it's more outgoing because they keep a restaurant inside of 6th and Peabody open on Mondays. Then it closes yeah. on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Simply for the reason that people like to come to Old Smoky checking before out they on leave. Monday morning. On Monday, they'll leave Monday mid afternoon. They'll come here. They'll get their moonshine first, and then they'll head home. Okay. So hey, I, I got a suggestion for management. You get a luggage rack in here. Well, That'd we be a are, nice, nice feature. You know, a little inside baseball here, but we're located right in the middle of Margaritaville Hotel. The Omni, uh, the new JW Marriott is behind us. So there are a lot of hotel stayers. The new Ritz stayers. is being built behind us. The new yeah, yeah. Ritz-Carlton is going to be right behind us. We'll be looking out in the courtyard uh, up at the Ritz-Carlton pool here very soon, which will be nice. But all these people come in, they stay in these hotels, and I think they just look around for somewhere to go while they're waiting to check in, and they swing by here. That's why you see all the luggage. bringing luggage in to feel more at home. I have this great bag that I On Fridays, I Hutton and I have our luggage in here also. Good money on my, my suitcase. But it gets banged up over time on the conveyor belts and everything at baggage claim. And it used to take it to a place called Maury Luggage, and they would send it in, and for like 25 bucks shipping fee, I'd get the bag back either repaired or a brand new bag every couple of years. Now Maury Luggage doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> so I have to find totally an avenue to get this sent in to the company. I can't remember the company, but it's one of the greatest purchases I ever made because as soon as anything goes, I lose a little zipper on it, I could send it in. Sometimes they'll send me a whole new bag. Maury Luggage should have stayed in business. I feel like there's someone else. That, I, that I could, could ship it too. I could just take it to UPS it and ship you. it to the company. No receipt required. That's the best thing. Like I don't have to go dig up the paperwork. They just, like, they know I bought it because here it is. That's the way receipts should work. Week five coming up. Uh, all the anticipation for Sunday night between yeah. Buffalo and Kansas City. But I think there, there are two instances, and there are a couple of others, and one of them may be tonight, and we'll preview it with Armando Salguero coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, Seattle taking on L.A. and the Rams in a divisional matchup for Thursday night football. Um, and I think the Seahawks could fall in this category. But I think there's an NFL team at a turning point 
uh, this week, needing to show me something a little bit more than what they've done, and also a player who I've got a scenario to lay out. You want the player or the team first for week five? I vote player. I vote team. <laughs> Reed? Uh, team. There team. we go. All right. yeah, just against this you. is a team game. This is not a player game. That's right. Well, I'm all about the team. Notice I'm all about the team. Paul's all about the individual, just to put that on, yeah, on record. That's surprising. <laughs> that team, the New Orleans Saints, they rank – so comparing – and what got me going on this is there's a lot of uh, frustration with the Titans based on last year's results and how they've started this year and anticipation for how you carry that over into 2021 and what they've done. They're at 2-2. Two and two. Um, They're fortunate in facing the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. They should have been fortunate in facing the Jets. They were not. Um, the New Orleans Saints fall into this category from 2020 to 2021. They ranked 28th in yards. Last season, they ranked 12th. 26th in scoring drive efficiency. Last season, they were 8th. And they're 32nd. They are dead last in passes of 20 yards or more. Now, the Titans are third to last, if you're wondering where this category is. Um, the Saints are dead last in Big explosive plays. 20 yards or more. Teams define that differently. But big chunks. Dead last. Last season, they were 22nd. So they've fallen 10 spots off of that. Their rushing numbers are identical. So they're still getting that production. But they've been very boom or bust. Passing is down from 19th to 31. And the key part of what they've done offensively on the road and at home, Jameis Winston has not been sacked in two games at home. He's been sacked seven times on the road. And he has six touchdown passes and no interceptions at home. And at home also counts Jacksonville in week yeah. one, by the way. Only two touchdowns with two interceptions on the road. And they're on the road this weekend in Washington. Saints at Washington. So with that in mind, I think they're at a turning point to figure things out within a division where McCaffrey's coming back to the Panthers and the Bucks will figure things out as they get some of the vets back healthy and get ready for the long haul of the season. Turning point weekend for New Orleans. I picked New Orleans to go to the playoffs because of my faith in Sean Payton. But the more I've watched them this season in this sort of one-on, one-off scenario they've gone through that Hutton laid out, where it's been very much a mixed bag from week to week, starts to get me concerned that instead of the Jameis Winston who would go two games off and one game on, in Tampa, that was the inconsistency of Jameis Winston. He'd be terrible for a couple of games. Then he'd look great in a third game. Maybe the improvement of Sean Payton's coaching in this system with Jameis Winston is simply now that bad game totals down to one. Yeah, It's going one game on, one game off with Winston. I'm concerned about that because inconsistency, at times just making foolish throws, that was the bag on Winston with Tampa Bay. Um I'm still thinking, I'm leaning towards Sean Payton and an improved Winston can figure it out, but I'm getting nervous that the team simply mirrors Winston's inconsistency and we're going to see more of this one game on, one game off approach from the Saints. Yeah, I think they're average at best. I mean, I, I give them full credit for destroying the Packers on opening weekend, but they drew the Packers at a very good time where the Packers just weren't up for the task that weekend. Uh, Panthers handled them very well uh they beat the patriots who are i think commensurate team probably going to be better by the end of the season um lost to the giants who who stink 
Um, so most of the Giants were up by eleven in the fourth. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I I just don't think much of them with Winston at the helm. And you talked about the passing, the, the, the disparate passing and running numbers. I think what happens is you're not very scared of them passing, and you're able to bring people up and eventually close down the running a little bit better. Not not to great degree. They're going to be able to run it, and you're going to let them run it a little bit more, but um, you're going to eventually defend the run a little bit better too. I'm not real worried about uh, the Saints as a, as a playoff team. I think they're very clearly the third best team in that division at this stage, barring injuries for Tampa Bay, I think- who's not, who banged up now on defense, and uh, Carolina, which is – apparently recovering from injury and has made trades in the secondary, I think they're very much the third best team in the division. I think they're very much at a crossroads uh, because they've got to branch out with their offense, but Peyton's doing the right thing so far in keeping Winston confined within the offense, boxed in, so to speak, and he's not taking a lot of chances unless he's faced pressure. And that's where those losses have come in. That's why you haven't seen the 20-plus yards of the big throws downfield that we saw from Winston I think he's scared of taking chances. Um, you know, I would be. But again, whenever they protect him, six touchdowns, no interceptions that in, in the two wins. That, that's key for them. Also, last week in their loss, didn't target Alvin Kamara in the passing game. Time to crank that up a yeah, bit. That's, yeah, that's a mistake. Time to crank that up a bit. That's about as bad as the Titans' um, percentage of not having Henry on the field on third and fourth down that you mentioned. You've got to throw the ball to Kamara. Crossroads week for Ben Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh. Here's my scenario I want to lay out because in watching him play and watching him take some of these sacks, you lay a finger on him and he's hitting the ground. I mean, he's just balling up fetal position and going down. It's not the same. He's not moving the same. I don't know if he's seeing defenses the same. I think he recollects the recollection's fine. It's just the mechanics are just, it just doesn't look like Roethlisberger even last year to this year. Um, With that in mind, they face Denver this week at home. They're one and three. They face Denver this week at home. Teddy Bridgewater is, is not playing for Denver. Drew Locke comes into the game last week and throws the first interception of the season for the Broncos. Um, Big Ben, I, I, taking advantage of the home games. They have two home games back-to-back. Broncos, Seahawks. And then their bye week is early. I, my prediction is if they drop one of these two, Ben Roethlisberger is going to injured reserve, and that's all she wrote. That's how, they'll, that, that's how they will approach the early bye week, and we will see Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins. So we had some ladies here earlier that were looking into the studio that wanted to check things out here at 6th and Peabody with Old Smokey and Yeehaw. They were from Pittsburgh, and they knew we were a sports show and asked me, well, what do I think about Big Ben? That's all the talk in Pittsburgh right now. And they also said, hey – have your show for the ladies, too, because there's a lot of ladies who know how to talk sports, like us. And they did. And they knew that Big Ben is on the decline. There's no way around it. I'm excited to talk to Armando Salguero about this, who wrote about Big Ben in his weekly quarterback roundup that you can find at OutKick.com today. And he mentioned Big Ben's hip bruise and how he was jokingly going to show it to reporters, how black and blue it is. And he decided not to drop his pants and show it to reporters at one point and then goes on to talk about how it's difficult when your lower body is hurting you and people think, oh, it's a quarterback. Is your arm okay? If your arm's okay, you can play. And that's not necessarily the case when your lower body's messed up and you can't throw it with your legs. This is not good news for Pittsburgh. Well, two weeks ago, I say a pectoral this, injury. I say all this to say that this is not good news 
for Pittsburgh when you've got your guy threatening to show a bruise of his hip to reporters and talking about how you can't throw the way you want to without a lower body. This is a guy hitting a wall, but I, I can't see him getting benched, A, out of Tomlin's loyalty. He's going to get benched. He's going to go to IR. Yeah, go to IR. Uh, but he's going to play when he's healthy because their alternatives are crap and, uh, and because they're super loyal to him. Bridgewater, by the way, I'm reading that he's got a chance to get cleared Friday and play. He's coming out through concussion protocol. So he's not out yet for Denver. But I, I'm with you. Those two, mat, those two matchups, he's getting beat up. He's got no faith in his offensive line. He's got no reason to have any faith in his offensive line, right. which is why he's curling up the moment he sees trouble because he's not expecting a guard to pop over and pick up that, that rusher off the edge and save him. And now against Denver in particular, but Seattle also, he's going to expect to get clobbered. You're right. He, he's more likely to head for IR than to pull this team out of its nose dot. And the, the early bye week factors into all of this decision-making. That's why I think this is a crossroads week where you split off and you go one of two ways. On a, as an IR stay? Uh, for that week. Does that count as a week? I think it might. Well, I'm, It's not I'm, games, it's weeks. Yeah, I'm saying they put him on there and they just we just don't see him again. Yeah, that'd be something. They could be one in five with three losses at home and their one win at Buffalo. That you just don't see Pittsburgh losing home games. Right? That just doesn't happen, especially early in the year. Um I I don't know. It's it's something I'm I'm paying attention to because Pittsburgh's desperate for a win and they've bought in for one more year with Roethlisberger. And the guy can barely move. He's had a pectoral injury. He didn't even know how he did it. I said, that's a sign of aging. When you wake yeah. up, you don't know how you did the, how you hurt yourself. Uh, it's like pulling a hammy, getting out of bed. And, and now the, the hip, I mean, there's something every single week. And those will pile up to the point where they'll turn things over to a guy who can actually move out of the we pocket. We say all the time. Watch, you know, just it, watch him get grabbed, it, and he goes down immediately. Yeah, we say all the time, you know, it doesn't end well for hardly anyone. But, you know, you have to wonder if it keeps trending this direction, if he's thinking to himself, I should have yeah. hung it up. It can't be fun. Yeah. No. It just cannot be fun. Coming up, always fun. Armando yes, Salguero about to join us. Week five preview straight ahead, including Bill's Chiefs. That's next on Outkick 360. Chiefs, Browns, Chargers, Packers, Bengals, Steelers, Broncos, and much more. We'll preview the upcoming NFL Week 5 slate right now with Armando Salguero of Outkick.com. Armando, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, guys. All is well. It ends well. So see you later. Hey, well, what a shortest appearance in history of the show with Armando. You can read all, all uh, of Armando's columns, by the way, outkick.com. Uh, we'll preview week five in just a moment, and we'll get to tonight's game too, which is really good between the Seahawks and Rams. Let's start, though, with, with old Herbert, uh, Urban Meyer, old Herb, uh, with, down in Jacksonville. And uh, Shad Khan, the owner, uh, we were discussing earlier this week, we haven't heard a, a harsh statement from him ever. And uh, we, we, we got that this week from him uh, in a stern statement that he must, Urban must re-earn the team's trust. Meanwhile, since that statement, he's been uh, reportedly laughed out of a team meeting room and uh, players are breaking the huddle laughing at him as well. How does he go about regaining team trust at this point? Well, 
You know, you mentioned the the breaking of the team huddle. I believe they broke it down with yeah. the word grind. <laughs> so it was like one, two, three, grind. And I'm sure that they were thinking, or some of them were thinking, we're going to work hard. <laughs> if you saw what, you know, the coach did on his time off over the weekend, not coming back to Jacksonville, I don't know, man. Uh, either someone is a is a comic genius or they just were not getting it. I don't know about about that whole deal. Uh, did you see also that today Shelly Meyer, Urban's wife, uh, went on Twitter, made a statement, and her statement was basically, Twitter's bad. I don't like Twitter. You guys are mean. And I'm out of here. And going to see whatever you say to this post because I'm deleting my account except that she didn't delete the account she forgot maybe or went on to other things uh, and the mentions the replies are just amazing if you want some you know comic relief at somebody else's expense read the replies yeah, and I don't have all the replies in front of me, Miranda. I do have that statement, though. She really loves flamingos, is what I learned from this statement. Uh, but she, she tweeted out this morning, this is Shelly Meyer, wife of Irvin Meyer. Thank you, friends, followers, fans, supporters, for all your love, fun, laughs over the years. God bless and God bless America. Peace out. Then she goes on to post uh, an iPhone note that says, this will be my last post on Twitter. Frankly, I don't need the hate, vitriol, slander, trash that will at me. This has never stopped anyway. We all make mistakes. We are all sinners. If you think you aren't, then cast the first stone. To my wonderful followers, friends, thank you for your love, support, friendship, laughs. I will miss this the most. I love you all and wish God's blessings on you. Thank you. Hashtag family, faith, family, football, flamingos. P.S. I will be deleting right as I post this, (laughs) so I will not see responses. Much love. Armando, this is like Mission Impossible, where this message will self-destruct right as you read it. Except it didn't. It didn't. And like I said, the replies are crazy. And, you know, she's not wrong. So Twitter is a harsh, harsh uh, ecosystem. Let's put it that way. People are unforgiving. There are a lot of keyboard warriors um, and they go after people. But having said that, you know, urban and suburban and Shelley, they've kind of set themselves up for some of the, the their own problems. Um, Twitter didn't force Urban Meyer to not board the team plane after his winless team lost to Cincinnati last Thursday and go back to Jacksonville with the team. Twitter did not force him to go to some bar somewhere and have some young woman, not his wife, be sitting on his lap and and dancing and on his lap, basically, uh, that wasn't Twitter that did that. And so to make it about, you know, you people are bad because you're judging me, it's wrong to judge. And now we're getting, you know, I guess philosophical and we're getting into theology. But on the other hand, don't do stupid stuff. Uh, it's as simple as that. Don't do stupid stuff. 
I'm intrigued by how Jacksonville plays this week. And I, I, tell me if I'm reading too much into this. So he put, Urban said it's on the players to, to lead now, right? Like he said that this week. And, and, and they're, again, breaking down the huddle today, one, two, three, grind. Um, they're playing the Titans, who come off the loss with the Jets. Typical white flag season, where they wave the white flag in Jacksonville late uh, around Thanksgiving. Right? They mail it in, and we've seen it multiple times as they try to tackle Derrick Henry in December. Uh, if, they, if they have that type of effort this week, are they basically telling Shad Khan we'd rather have an interim head coach? That's a great point, Jonathan. And, you know, players don't typically – wave flags white or otherwise right right the first week of october uh the last week of december oh yeah definitely Mm -hmm. doubt about that uh they wave flags that say we're going golfing um (laughs) that happens a lot but my sense is that that locker room has to play for its own pride It's not playing for its coach uh, unless they have some secret, uh, you know, understanding between Urban and and the locker room. I'm not feeling that these guys are going to rally and they're definitely not going to rally because of the coach. If they want to rally, it's professional pride. They're winless. They're they shouldn't be winless. They're not terrible. Um, and it's about, look, um, I want to kind of put some good football on tape because next year I might be looking for a job. And so I want my next team to see that I played some good football, even when there might've been an excuse for me not to do so. Yeah, it was just the Lions, but how much do you feel like Matt Nagy helped himself with the adjustment from no plan for Justin Fields against the Browns to a successful plan for Justin Fields against Detroit, even if he won't give Bill Lazor any credit for his part in it? Well, so he goes from sitting on the throne of hell uh, because quite hot, uh, that seat, to sitting just merely in a fireplace that has a raging fire going. Um, One week does not a hot seat put out. And it's clear that what he did the previous week, in which he didn't have Justin Fields ready, he didn't have his entire team ready to play, and it showed, and they didn't adjust, and it was as if they zombied through the whole game, um, that's that's a hard memory to get off to get away from, and one victory against the Lions doesn't do it. Uh, show us more. You want to save your job because let's face it, there was a movement, especially by national pundits, to get him fired the very next day. I don't think that would have been wise, but. Uh, they save or he saves himself from that narrative. That narrative can come back if you lay another egg. And so my brother, uh, do some work and figure out a way to get Justin Fields playing better. Do what he does 
and forget the Andy Dalton offense and go with Justin Fields doing what he does. I mean, it's it's not rocket science, right? It's you got a good guy, a very athletic quarterback. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens figured out how to work around their very athletic quarterback. Be that. Arondo Salguero with us from Outkick.com. The last time the Arizona Cardinals were 4-0 was 2012. And that's the same season Ken Wisenhunt was fired because they finished 5-12. and um, this, this Cardinals team, though, averages 35 points per game through four weeks. They're ninth in defensive points allowed. And their upcoming schedule, they're about to face Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't p- practiced in two days. Um, they've got Cleveland, Houston, Green Bay on the upcoming schedule over the next month. How long can they keep this great play going, Armando? Yeah, what's impressive about them is, yes, they have those teams in the upcoming schedule, but the way that they got there, I mean, you know, they went to Tennessee and didn't just beat Tennessee. They clobbered Tennessee Um, and they went to Los Angeles and they they had their way with Los Angeles. Uh, and I thought the Rams were, or still are, basically, a Super Bowl contender. That was a very impressive win. So you're asking me, can they continue? Well, yeah, I mean, but just a reminder, and I don't want to be the the dour, you know, guy in the room, but they do have a 5'9 quarterback. And 5'9 quarterbacks tend to get, you know, hurt especially when being chased by 6-5 defensive linemen. So they can continue as long as the 5-9 quarterback is not hurt, as long as Chandler Jones continues to be a force in conjunction with J.J. Watt. And, um, you know, I just love Vance Joseph. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. He's an attacking guy. He's an honest guy, which is separate and apart from what he can do on the sideline, but I just think that he's got those guys believing that if you attack and we do it my way, we're going to do work. Armando, let's talk about a team staying in that, staying in that division with a quarterback who's three inches taller than that 5'9 quarterback <laughs> you mentioned. I'm talking about Russell Wilson. They host the Rams tonight, and it feels like every game in this division all year is appointment television with these teams. I thought the same about Seahawks 49ers. The Seahawks were able to get the win with Trey Lance coming in this past weekend. What about this matchup tonight on Thursday Night Football with the Rams trying to bounce back and the Seahawks trying to get something going? You know, you mentioned appointment television, Chad. Last week, last Thursday, it was the Bengals and the Jaguars, (laughs) and they had the highest ratings of Thursday Night Football in, like, years. And it's the Jaguars and the Bengals, but I digress. Um, I I just think that the Seahawks are a team that hasn't figured out what it wants to be yet. They're trying to go back to being kind of like a a rock'em, sock'em offense, which they're not because their offensive line isn't built for that anymore. And so, and Russell Wilson, by the way, is a pretty darn good passer, Um, better faster than what Chris Carson is uh, a runner. Um, And so their identity on offense is kind of wishy-washy. On defense, pretty good. 
Pretty good. Ask me after tonight because pretty good so far. They're going to play their best, the best guy that they played uh, on the other side at quarterback. I'm a big believer in Matthew Stafford. I think that he's outstanding last week, notwithstanding. And I think that the Rams have something to prove now. They, they showed their immaturity when they beat Tampa Bay. They kind of let down a little bit and then they got beat by Arizona. They, they have to understand that the NFL is not about, you know, the stock market up and down. It's kind of got to be a, a flat line and you have to maintain. So I think that they've learned that lesson and they're going to prove it tonight. Wanted to spin forward off of the Tampa Bay New England game with the Patriots, because I thought the Patriots did a lot of things in that game that kind of reestablished things. I'm wondering if you think it was was Belichick putting forth some really special stuff for Brady or if it's stuff that's going to be able to carry over. They're at the Texans this week, then a toughie with the Cowboys in New England, then the Jets. Nice scenario to win two out of three here. Do you think what they did against the Buccaneers brings them up a rung or two and shows them to be an ascending team? Or, Armando, was it more likely kind of an isolated special game situation for which they rose to the occasion? Right. So, uh, good options, Paul, but I have to fall on the, uh, you know, you're not very good, New England Patriots. Your record is what it says that you are. And so, uh, or you are what, you you know what I'm saying. Uh, And so, yeah, they kind of, didn't shut down Tom Brady, but they riddled him a little bit, except for the fact that he threw two dimes to Antonio Brown in the end zone that would have put the game away with like four minutes to play or something. And Brown dropped, lost one in the lights and dropped the other one. And they were amazing passes, both of them. Uh, they don't have any playmakers on the outside. They are a, a, a slow, cumbersome offense without playmakers <laughs> and that's a problem because uh teams can figure them out and you cannot consistently go 12 play drive 12 play drive 12 play drive uh to have success in the nfl you have to get chunk chunk plays every once in a while and breakout plays every once in a while and i don't see how they're capable of doing that not just against tampa Bay. they didn't do it against tampa bay and Tampa Bay was out minus two uh, cornerbacks. Their starting two cornerbacks were not in it in the game because they were injured. And then they lost another guy. And Richard Sherman, who had signed four days earlier, he's starting. And they're picking on Richard Sherman. And it's not working all that great. Why? Because they don't have playmakers. Their two biggest plays of the entire game were passes from who? Jacoby Myers, a wide receiver, not Mac Jones, their quarterback. So when your wide receiver is delivering the best two passes of the game, you're in trouble. It looks good and it sounds, you know, deceptive and, and oh my gosh, well coached. But something is amiss, and what is amiss is 
They don't have outside playmakers. And here's the other thing. So they spent a bunch of money signing Hunter Henry and, and John Smith this offseason. And everybody thought, oh, my gosh, they're going back to the two tight end with Gronk and Hernandez of, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was. They don't play on the field at the same time generally. And so they don't have good receivers. The good tight ends that they have don't don't play on the, you know, mostly in the same packages. So what are they doing? I just don't see it. Armando Salguero, our guest. I, I know it's it's never too early to discuss uh playoff positioning in the in the in the week to week league of the NFL. But I realize a lot of factors happen with the ebbs and flows of the season. I do like to look ahead a bit, though, as we look at schedules. And one of the schedules that really sets up well for one team is in Baltimore. Week 5 will kick off on October the 10th. They will not play another road game until November the 11th. This is a very favorable schedule coming off of two road wins, and now the Ravens are at home. They They lead the league with players on injured reserve currently with 17. But as you look ahead to what Baltimore has done after losing on Monday night to open the season, they play on Monday night this week against Indy, and they're not going to leave M&T Bank Stadium for a month. They have a chance to really grasp hold of the AFC. Wow, Jonathan, 17 guys on injured reserve. I got to write that down, bro, because I didn't realize that. (laughs) We both guessed wrong when he quizzed us earlier. This is the reason that I tune into the show <laughs> on a daily basis because I get to find out stuff that I'm supposed to otherwise know. Um, fake uh, it. Borrow it. They're fake n- it. Number one, by the way, uh, Titans and Broncos tied for second with 13 on IR. I'm writing it down, There you too. go. There you go. Okay. And it's not about borrowing. I'm outright stealing, Paul. Okay. Steal. Um, steal. Steal. So, look, I just think that the that – the, the Ravens are one of the best coach teams in the NFL, in the entire NFL. And you combine that, regardless of what, uh, you know, Vic Fangio says, they are one of the best coach teams in the NFL. And you combine that with the home field advantage and the fact that there's a narrative out there that people have figured out Lamar Jackson. People haven't figured out Lamar Jackson. It hasn't happened because Lamar Jackson is run first and then pass off of play action and RPOs. And that's, you can't figure that out. It cannot be figured out unless you are, uh, you have six defensive backs uh, in the game. And if you have six defensive backs in the game, one of the best running teams in the game is going to slash you. And so they've this whole figure out Lamar Jackson stuff. Look, maybe in the playoffs when, you know, the the talent rises a couple of notches. But as you mentioned, for the next five weeks, they're going to they're going to feast. Armando, are we witnessing the end of Ben Roethlisberger? I think we witnessed that last year. And what is interesting to me is that the Steelers are a team that traditionally uh, gets rid of players a year early. So they they check out and the player goes somewhere else and he has a productive season somewhere else, and then he falls off the table. With Ben, they're a year late. 
because last year at the end, it was ugly. And now it's ugly and he's getting hurt because he's 39 years old and the offensive line is not good. And I know that they're going to get uh, healthy or healthier on the offensive line here pretty soon. But Ben is still dealing with multiple injuries, including a hip, including a peck. And he's never been super mobile anyway. So what we're watching is kind of like an immobile quarterback in, you know, standing behind a bad offensive line. If you want to really write the combination that would author bad offensive play, that's it. Because the bad offensive line can't get you a running game. Najee Harris hasn't provided it. And the offensive line can't save their old immobile quarterback. Big Ben is injured. It's just, it, it's just, I don't see how they fix it. I don't see what the answer is. Big week this week for, for one in three Pittsburgh as they visit Washington after losing two at home. Uh, it's an interesting uh, matchup for them. Uh, hey, Thank you so much, Armando. We appreciate the time. Uh, by the way, the Saints are at Washington. I got that mixed up. We had a previous segment on all this, Armando. Uh, I know you're staying at home. The the Salguero Chateau, I believe, is where you're Ooh. watching week five. So enjoy oh, it. Yeah. And we will uh, read your work on OutKick. Uh, Sunday, by the way, football starts at 9.30 a.m., ends at about 11.30 at night. And I love it! <laughs> I love it! God save the queen. Over in London. That's right. It's uh, Jets and Falcons. He even loves Jets and Falcons. That's a tough one. Uh, over at Wembley. Our Armando Salguero, always great. You can follow him on Twitter, at Armando Salguero. You're listening to Outkick 360. You guys see where Kepka and DeChambeau are going to face off in the match? This is the match their five or the match six. Just them two, head to head? Yeah, it'll be the second time that the match is just faced one-on-one. I love that. The other That's going to rate. The other one was Tiger and Phil, and uh, this will again be uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. I love it. Uh, on free TV? Yeah, on TNT. Yeah. partnership. That's going to get some Mickelson's a audience. part of it, but not. Uh, they haven't disclosed where. He's not. He was not announced as the broadcast team. The broadcast team is going to be Barkley and Ernie Johnson. Mickelson is like the Steve Stricker of the match. Steve Stricker, you know, runs the Ryder Cup. Yeah. He's like the overseer of the match. Every time he's involved or he's – I don't know what partnership he has with it, but I feel like he's always the one overseeing it. Speaking of Steve Stricker – and this match, I love when the U.S. won the Ryder Cup, which we were talking so much, you know, football. We didn't even get to that. Um, I love that Stricker was being interviewed and he was crying, you know, getting emotional when they were coming down the back. And they clearly, the U.S. dominated and it already won. And they were waiting on the, the final matches to, to clear up. And Steve Stricker said, I mean, this is so great. You know, guys really just turned things over to the country and this team and I mean, hell, even even Bryson and Brooks talked to each other. <laughs> you should have had them. I was thinking, I'm like, no, it wasn't just. He said they spoke, like that was a big deal. That he's like, they actually spoke to each other when they got here on the same team. They had them hug at the uh, at the picture. They, oh yeah, like they, they, were, had they all hug. had microphones and they they're like, come on guys, this uh, is yeah, big on, enough deal for you to come yeah, down and it hug. Was, it was awkward. And they came, yeah, it was very awkward. It was an awkward. Hug. I, there's, I mean, there's legitimate bad thing, blood between the two, uh, and I love it. That thing will be. I love that they're not. I hope they both talk. I mean, they're not going to talk. 
They're I don't know up. that they'll talk to each other a lot. Yeah, but sometimes guys don't say a lot. I want them to. Shambo just finished doing this. He knows what he's into. Talk. Yeah, I, I, it could be great. They're not going to talk. And a the lot golf to each should other. be good. I think they're going to be. They're going to talk monologues because they're going to be interviewing them. You know, yeah. that, you saw it with, I, with Bryce DeChambeau. That's I don't, why I want. I don't think there's going to be a lot of crosstalk with those two. Oh, no, I, I, want I disagree. I think there's going to be trash talk from Kepka, especially because he's. I mean, he Kepka's firing off tweets at him, no matter if he's playing around or if he's you know in the clubhouse. That's why I feel like Phil should be like the on course MC stirring. Well, he might. He might stirring. do that. I, he was. He's been mentioned as a part of it, but they haven't discussed his role in it and also go down there uh, and jab him shout out to i believe it was dechambo it may have been kepka um one of the two they they were the defending champion for a tournament this past golf season and they refused to be paired up in the opening round with kepka or dechambo I, I can't remember which one it was it's a great business move because it set up this yes. where they're getting paid to do it it, I mean, it, it was brilliant. They, was, they were getting crushed at the time for being scared. Um, it set up the match. And so props to whatever agent or lawyer came up with the I idea. Was looking ahead. Uh, to say, hey, let's, let's not do this. Let's defer your option to play against Brent Snedeker. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll save the matchup with Kepka for uh, a time when there's more prize money involved. I mean, I'll be watching over Thanksgiving weekend. If it's not directly up against a football game that I'm watching, which – Tends to be the case in the fall, but when we're watch, all watching football, I'll definitely tune in for that. And I do hope that there is trash talk back and forth. When I say that they're not going to talk, I think that they're both legitimately, they don't like each other, which could lead to more talk. I, I think you're right, Hutton. If someone's going to do the trash talking, it's Kepka and not DeShambo on the course. But I think that they're going to be serious about it. Like, this is not just oh, a patty cake, oh, you just win. for charity thing. Right. Like, I want to win this match. The competitive juices against someone you hate will get flowing and well, they're going to get quiet when they get on that back nine and they're going to focus in. There, there's also going to be a build to this, much like a WWE match. I mean, they're going to work yeah, over they need the to sales fight. pitch. They need to fight at the press conference before. They're going to trash talk before this. Well, will they do at the pub the way Aaron Rodgers was doing pub? You know, if they have oh, six weeks of pub the way that Brady and Rodgers There's did no pub. doubt they're going to do that. But you realize Kepka was the one fueling that. Kepka was tweeting Brady and Rodgers about having to play with Bryson. Over the weekend, yep. Like he was the one that got yeah. that stirred up, and Which then, makes and me then think Phil retweeted they a, it. They did a great job pubbing the last one. Yeah, it makes me think that Brooks was always in on the long con. Uh, I agree. We're going to do this now. I'm going to tweet out <laughs> some trash talk, and yep. eventually, you're the next match. You're the next title contender. Yeah. So then we're going to set up another big, huge made-for-TV <laughs> event. Payday's coming for you, sir. And I love it. I love. I love the work when it comes to that. It I could love be the great, work. but there's always potential for a bomb. Well, I mean, at, at, at worst, you get to watch them play golf. Yeah. By the way, I love the but Ryder if, Cup. You know, there's potential for I, a lot more. If, if there was a if, way if to put golf, if there was a way to put the Ryder Cup when it's not directly up against, yeah, put it during the a college and NFL weekend because I still tune over there and every time I'm compelled to stay longer than I thought because the interaction with the crowd, the crowd cheering misses when the te- when Europeans miss. It's so unlike anything else in golf, and it's amazing to watch. This one wasn't very compelling because the U.S. handled it. But so see, it was compelling easily. because the Europeans were so defeated. Oh, so they were quickly, tortured. and the U.S. team was talking trash. They were at one point a guy took out a club to go lower, and he turned to the crowd and said, "Oh, don't worry, I'm still hitting the green." 
And everyone just, it was like Happy Gilmore saying, let's get it up, let's go. Was getting the crowd up before he hit. This is when it was over and the U.S. had won. My but picture it was of it great. is just Rory like in tears halfway through Sunday. Those guys take it seriously, which oh. I appreciate. Yeah, I do love that. Coming up, plenty to discuss with the Tennessee Volunteers in the Tennessee Power Hour. Plus, the Titans on defense have improved. We'll tell you in which areas. That's straight ahead. Plus, are they improving on the injury front? That's next on OutKick 360.